This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. So we're going to read Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called, to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And the church said, Amen. And what we want to do today as we, we go into this text, we want to have, a, have a, a conversation, right? We want to just start this first part off sort of having a conversation, even just like us two conversing with one another while looking at this text. And so a lot of times you could take the Bible, you take um, these texts and you put them like way up high and you don't wrestle with what does ground level walking inside of this look like, right? And so... Going through these texts, we get to this particular point where, where, where Paul is laying out some ground-level stuff, right? But what I want to do is, as me and Pastor Aaron is, is, is talking today, we want to like really connect this thing with, with ground-level things inside of, of our lives so that um, what's on display here is how the Lord is working through the, the intimate things, through the mundane things, through the everyday things. Things when you talk about and think about how this actually looked in an application here, right? So, for starters, right, Paul he leads in right here in verse one, and he says, "I therefore, a prisoner of the, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been been called." You see, he's captured by the vision and honored to be called inside of this, right? This is something that we have, to, we have to get here and see what's shaping and molding him, a man that's caught up and captured by a particular vision, and this vision is shaping and molding how he is living, what he's doing. So he's writing them, and he's writing them from prison. And notice that he doesn't say, um, he doesn't say a, a prisoner of Rome, right? He's sitting inside of a, a Roman jail cell, but that's not what he says. Instead, he says, a, 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 prison, a prisoner for the Lord, right? He's captured by the Lord. This is, this is why he's sitting inside this prison. This is why he, he writes these, these verses, and he is excited. He is, um, he is thrilled to write, and he says, a prisoner for the Lord, you see, when your heart is captured by something, it'll shape and mold what you do, right? You look at the fruits and you look at the things that you're doing, and that's going to tell you where your heart, what your heart is after. I don't care what you say, right? Go ahead. You could talk all day long, but when your heart is really captured by something, it'll shape and mold what you do, right? So he has this, this, this vision, like, and, and he went through, through layers, right, because like, first he has this, this, this vision that leads him to persecute the church, right? This vision of what he felt it meant and to, to, 
what he felt it meant to, 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 to live this thing out, and it led him to persecute the church, right? And then he is confronted by the Lord himself, and he has a vision of Jesus, real front face-to-face vision of Jesus, and then that leads him into having this vision of the kingdom of God and a vision of the church in regards to the kingdom of God. And he sees this this calling, and he sees what a huge calling and and what it means to, to, to be worthy to walk into this calling, and it shapes and molds everything that he does from there on out. That's why he does verses 1, 2, and 3. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, he spends all this time trying to unpack to them, trying to give language to the weight and the bigness of this vision that he, he sees that he's called into and that they're called into too. And it shapes everything. The thing that's interesting about most people's dreams and visions uh-huh. is that they never see it actually land right. in their life. Right, so our prayers of let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to see how captured he is by this vision because he is so willing to do whatever it takes to live into it. Right? You can sit around all day long and talk about your dreams, your desires, your visions, but this reality of what it takes to live into that is when it starts hitting the ground. And this is where people get mostly. exposed, mm-hmm. right? This reality of in chapter one, what does he say? He says, this God, this, this king, this kingdom has, because of sin, everything has been separated. Everything was one in Christ, but not in God, but because of sin, everything was separated. So he starts in chapter one saying heaven and earth were separated, but because of this king, he's brought heaven and earth and is bringing heaven and earth back together. What has been separated is going to be brought together. In chapter two, he says, God and man have been separated. So God was, man was separated from God and outside of his presence. But because of Christ, he's bringing himself and reconciling himself back to man. In chapter uh, 5, he's going to talk about husbands and wives, male and female. He's going to talk about all these things. But now in chapter 3, which is essential, chapter 3 and 4, he's saying, if the same God who could bring heaven and earth together, the same God who could bring him and man back together, He's for sure going to be able to bring his family together. He will bring us together. The unity of the people of God is essential. So this is what Paul is captured by. He said this Jew and Gentile relationship is essential to it. But now he's saying, I want to walk in a way worthy of it. Okay. And here's where I want to kind of, it's going to feel different to you all, but I want you to hear stories because a lot of times we can float in the clouds of this vision of unity and we can all say how important it is to unite. But we never live our lives in ways in which we believe that we are walking in a way worthy of it. And and I, I will say, from the first time I met Wayne, one of the things I was captured by was this vision that he had of the kingdom. Because there was this like-minded vision that, that, that God had brought our hearts and our minds and our, our spirits together. And he was willing to make many sacrifices. And, and I think what people need to hear um, and what I hope they get is that this wasn't always your vision, right? That there was a, a way in which you have come into this, that God has redeemed you and kind of expanded right. things. And so I think it would be incredible 
for you to share kind of a, the vision you were raised in right, and right. what God did to bring you into this vision of his kingdom. Yeah, sure. I, um, you know, one thing that for us to, to even understand and know, even as we, we start thinking about this and how um, God transitions us, right, when we, I start thinking about myself and I, like, because I think all of us, we are, we're, we're born living into something, right? Whether it's the visions of the, your, your, your parents, whether there's like a vision of where, where the culture around you is trying to go, um, whatever it is. So for, for me, in, in sharing just uniquely where I came from, right, um, is, is just the, the story of just um, a minority growing up inside of a system, a country, um, atmosphere where um, it was really, really um, clear that like minorities was inferior. But this is, was like, like the, the thing about it is that as a little kid, it's not like at first realizing that this was a problem, it's just thinking like this is how it is, because yeah. you're born into it, right? This is the brokenness of it was how it is, like man, this part of the neighborhood is where everybody is sort of bunched in at. And just like, I remember just learning about what a project was and didn't realize that that's where I lived in. And there was something more to it, right? And, and, and so I grew up as a, as, as a little kid and this vision of inferiority really shaped um, how I, I, I lived. There were certain things that just, just as a, a people um, that whose backs were against the wall, and this is how everyday life was. There were certain things that you did that 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 made it easier to live like that. That became normatives, right? Things that people look at nowadays, like what you did that. It was like, but well, it was norm for us. We didn't think that that was a big deal, right? And stuff. It, it, it was like like everybody stole, right? And stuff. It's like it was just what we all did. And and there were certain things that was about how we lived growing up. But then that's one aspect, and, and I'm sharing that so we understand how God transitioned. I want to bring this to the ground, right? You know, and as as going forward, and it comes a point in time where it's like you start to realize that yo, hey, things are jacked up. Like, this, this ain't how things should be. I don't, like, and you start dreaming of something warm. And so then I came to a, a, a stage in life where I started to, to, to embrace a different vision, right? No longer was it okay for things to just be jacked up, but I had to accept something. I had to accept the fact that this world was really, really broken and stuff, and that, like, there were some people we just wasn't going to be able to change. It seemed like their hearts were just so far gone, and I had to just try to find theology to make it, was, make it okay, but here's what I can do. Probably living into a vision where, where my people... At least my people can have some type of a utopia, some type of peace with, with one another because trying to have vision with people that has been doing foul to you all this time and stuff, it didn't, it didn't make sense. And it, it didn't seem like, like that, that could actually even happen, right? You know, and so started to live into that and started to, to think about what did that look like and then getting to, to, and to this point now that and that went from me growing up on um, nation of Islam all the way to when I became a Christian, and then the type of church that I went to still had to reflect that and stuff. So it would be a church that was predominantly looking like me because that's all we could trust. 
And then somewhere along the line, God gives me a vision of his kingdom. Right? And he says, well, hold on. Everything that you've been doing up to this point has been responding to the brokenness that you've seen. And you built systems and, and you had a vision that was molded and shaped by the brokenness. And you're like, no, no, no. What about a vision that is molded and shaped by me? Not by the brokenness that you grew up in, not by the, the, the fallenness and the pain, and, but, but, but a vision that, that, that started before the fall, that, that's em, embraced and embodied by who I am. And God gives me this, this vision of his, his kingdom, right? Now, this just, just causes me to want to love him more because before what I thought was just impossible and can't happen now seems extremely possible and can happen because I'm seeing the king behind the vision, right? I'm seeing the one that's pushing it along, and then things start to shape, and I am captured by this vision, a vision of his kingdom where, like, no, no, all these different people, these, they're, they're they're, they're, they're mine inside of my kingdom. They make my kingdom what it is. And my presence is, is, is saturating it and it shapes and it molds me. And, 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 and I start to, to gravitate some, but even along the way is, is hit with turmoil because then some would say, but hold on, you're selling out, bro. What happened then? And stuff, how come you stopped caring about your people? I'm like, nah, I didn't stop caring about my people. I didn't sell out. I bought into a bigger vision. Right? Something that embodied all of it. Something that said, no, no, no. The same God that could give you that utopia can give you that utopia in the midst of different people because who he is as, as God. Now, that's, that's my story, right? But I want you to see that's where we're at ground level. But I would be remiss to not turn around and say, listen, I've been in fellowship with this brother right here and seeing God do magnificent things, right? And the thing is, we, we meet here at the exact same spot because we have the exact same vision, the same thing that Paul is telling them, listen, here's this calling that you have to live into. I think it's important for you to share how the Lord had transitioned you with this same vision and brought you to where you're at. Well, you could keep talking because that's, that's a good word. The thing is, is that you get raised in a, in a system or you learn to succeed in a system and you benefit from a system. And what ends up happening is you start learning to play the same game right, of the right, system. Right. And so in the church world that that I learned to succeed in, um, it was all about this American dream of what the church is, Right. Uh, some are calling it now white evangelicalism is, is, is pretty much the, the place in which you kind of just are so tightly knit into believing that this is just a Christian nation. You become like a chaplain of this nation. You're heralding the same politics. You're heralding the same kind of dreams and desires. You kind of just fall into it, and mostly because you're benefiting from it, right? And inside of it, you kind of catch this same vision that your church can be bigger, your church could be better, you could be the most charismatic, you could have the biggest crowds, you could have the biggest budgets. And, and I bought into that reality of the biggest crowds, the biggest budgets, and, and went along in that routine until a couple of things. One, graciously. 
God didn't allow me to, to find any sort of rest in it, right? He was constantly irritating me. And, yes, he will. And I had the opportunity in a very pivotal time in my life to go actually with my, my parents out to a third world country. And in that, to see a different kind of a Christianity than American Christianity. Right? There is a different Christianity than American Christianity. Um, that is not entangled by wealth. And inside of that... God used that to say, this is what my vision is, right? This kingdom vision. And I was so captured by that, right? I was so captured by that that I said, God, I need to go to another country. And God specifically told me in that, in that, in that time of my life, do you believe I could do it in America? And I had to say, no, I didn't think he could. Because of the systems and the structures that I had seen and been a part of and perpetuated and benefited from. And I knew that it was going to cost me, but I was so captured by it and believed that it was something to do. And I looked in the neighborhood that God had specifically planted my wife and myself. And there was so much beautiful, rich diversity and so much uh, economic difference. And so much, and I'm like, this is the perfect place for God. And I love this city and I love the people here and my family. And, and I just go... This is it. And, and, and I'll tell you this. I had so many people, especially as we've stepped into like these roles, uh -huh. who are constantly trying to tell me, man, it's so amazing how much you've lost mm -hmm. to do this. So you have people telling you, you sold out. Mm -hmm. I have people constantly telling me, you've given up so much, mm. which shows the upside down nature, yeah, right? right? Of the kingdom, that when you do kingdom work and there's vision of that and a vision and you're honored to do it, you have people saying you're a sellout. I have people telling me that I've lost so much and you're going, no, I've bought in and I'm saying, no, I've gained more than I could have ever lost. And the reality of living in unity amongst peoples and living in this kind of reality of rich, poor, old, young, all nations, all tribes, all peoples, and the richness of what that's like. I'm sure it's extremely difficult, but I feel like we get to taste the kingdom in ways. And, I, and I'll just tell you this. If, if what I lost was kind of that American Christian vision, I, I'll tell you that it is. It's empty. It's it's. It's, it left me high and dry. It, it was not a complete vision of what the kingdom of God is like. And I feel like I was rescued, right? Amen. I feel like I was brought out. Right, right, right. And this reality of living into this vision takes being captured by it. But the other part that's really important so we don't just stay up in that cloud right. is for us to see that there is not just this living into this vision, but we have to live into it by the Spirit. Look at verse 2. You will not be able, not only can you produce this vision by yourself, this is a kingdom vision, you can't do this work in your flesh. So it makes sense that we would come up with our own visions because we will always come up with visions of what we think we can accomplish in our strength. Right? This is something I can do. I could get people like me to meet in a room together. I could do that. 
They like the same things. They, they like the same music. There's the same way. I could do that. I could get people in the same room. And so let's just target my people. I can do that. But when you start living into this spirit of unity that Paul is preaching, he goes, listen, this kind of vision is only lived out by the spirit. And he mentions fruits of the spirit, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond, and there's peace, right? Yeah. So there's these fruits of the Spirit that we could break down and go, what does this look like? The problem with the fruits of the Spirit is it drives practical people crazy yeah. because they want to go, tell me how, tell me what to do to live by the Spirit, mm-hmm. all to ignore that humility is not a checklist. Right. It's a posture of the heart. Gentleness could be, in a spirit of gentleness, you yelling at somebody, right? Or it could be you just shutting up and listening. You could be gentle and be patient and be bearing, but it could be this sense of us understanding that there's not just one way to to demonstrate humility. There's not just one, but it's a posture of the heart that is only given by the Spirit. And one of the things that makes it really difficult to live in a community or this kind of oneness, why Paul is saying, look, if the Spirit's given this vision, he's given us these spiritual gifts. And I have watched God work amongst a people of all different types and all different nations and all different ages and backgrounds, whatever that may be, to come together with this same vision, all because I believe to go to a church like this or this church, you can't just go as a consumer. You can't just go going, what's best for me? You have to go with a vision. How many of y'all have ever had to be in a church where it's not just about consuming, but it's about having a vision of the kingdom? And not only a vision of a kingdom, it's not a church you can be in if you like to operate in your flesh. It can only happen if you want to operate in the spirit. And I have watched Wayne not only walk with this vision of kingdom, but in a spirit of humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another. And I'll say this, rightfully so, there are many people in the minority community, I'm just saying from my perspective, I have watched so many people getting tired and fatigued Mm -hmm. because it is hard work to keep putting up with the ignorance and the struggle and the struggle and the pain and always feeling like you have your back against the wall. It is a painful place to be, and I've watched many people get tired in their flesh trying to do this work. But I have watched you sit with people in this community with a different color skin, a different background, and say some ignorant stuff and post some ignorant stuff. And you respond in a way where it shows that you're bearing with them, you're loving them, you're caring for them, and you're wanting to live into this vision. Now, I know there's no how-to to do that, but how has God graced you to walk in a community and pastor in a community like this in ways where you're not just around people like you? I think the first thing is this. He places it inside of your heart, right? What he's placed inside of my heart and what I believe is really important for the church to grab and then um, even specific um, parts of the body to understand. And like I speak this and I say this as, um, as a minority in America specifically, as a minority here, right? That like A, the church has, to, has this vision where it's 
like it's eager to maintain the unity of the spirit, right? And because there's this eager to maintain the unity of the spirit, there are going to be times when like people just get on your nerves because they keep saying stupid stuff. Right, right. right? Dude, that is so stupid. But then the spirit of humility is there, right? And stuff like, like, well, you know, like, what dude probably needs right now is five fingers across the face, right? right? But then there's the spirit of, no. But this is where the spirit of gentleness comes in. Like, like Paul is talking to them, and he knows that, there's, there's no way that you two will be able to walk in deep unity without genuine humility. And I, and I sit there, and I, and, I, and, I say, and I see that with me. There's no way. There's no way I will be able to do this because things are going to come along the, the pipeline. That, like, the only way to walk inside of this is with deep humility. The only way to walk inside of this and bearing with one another is like, listen, you're going to need to bear with people. Because there are going to be times when it's like, man, that was so insensitive what you said just right, now. Right, right. But the desire to see the unity of the Spirit allows me to want to bear in, in unity with you and bear with you in love because of the bonds of peace that brings us all together. And knowing, like, here's the thing that, I, that, that you realize. Even when you look at things where it comes to, like, um, frustration and getting tired and everything else and stuff, like, God creates this system that there is no way to do it without him like like i'm gonna make this thing bigger than you so that the only way that you can live inside of it is by completely trusting in me and i'm gonna constantly bring you at the end of yourself over and over and over again so that you are reminded of how much you need me inside of it and this is the thing that shapes and molds me this is the thing that i know and believe that for the community of people that god has made me a part of this is how you live inside of it without it it's going to be more of just other things and 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 i know this what he's doing and stuff so when i look and I think about it, and I'm always, always, always reflected upon who God is through our relationship, right? Because it's, there's times where I see you deal with things. There's times where I see that, 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 that you would um, walk in um, humility when, 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 when someone would rather to say, like, the only reason why you're standing inside of this or you're standing inside of the gap is because of, 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 of white guilt and totally miss it, right? I'm, and I, and I want to be real about it. Those things shape and mold. Times when there is a, a sacrificing, there is a, 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 a giving away that's like, man, the way that this is done, this, the only way this is done is in God and in the Spirit. But it got to be something that's leading you. So what I would love for you to do is share from where you're at as we talk about these things, what are ways that are reasons why it means a lot to you to live inside of it? Well, it's much the same as what you said, honestly. And my struggle is I, as I've grown in this vision, I've grown increasingly irritated with people who are white. I hate myself sometimes, you know. And the privilege and the struggle, and I struggle often in places where I can see people in my own community saying and doing what I would consider ignorant things and prideful things, and not knowing that they're a product of a system. And continuing to elevate their experience, meaning looking at people in, in, in places right. 
and struggling and, and seeing people like you, who's my brother, seeing sisters and brothers who I'm close with, and then hearing their struggle and saying things, well, that's not my experience, so it must not be true. So it's struggle because we've elevated our experience right. in this nation right. over listening to our brothers and sisters and understanding that not everybody has had the same experience right. in this same country. Yes. And not everybody, not just country, has had the same experience in the church. Yes, right? That there has been systems and structures that set up. And so because they only see from their perspective... And because I only saw from my perspective, it wasn't until I had people in my life who were gracious, who bore with me. And so what has, has helped me is to remember where I was yes. and how God graciously brought me into this relationship, into this relationship, into a beauty of his kingdom. And so even in my frustration, to really encourage a couple things. And I would say this for brothers and sisters who come from the same kind of experience in America that I've had or in church that I've had. I would say this. Uh, scripture highlights listening over talking for a purpose. You won't come to this revelation by venting. You will not come to this kind of kingdom revelation by talking. When you sit in rooms like this and you see people in, in, in unity talks, you often see people from my community doing all the talking, talking and trying to educate the other on what they should think. They are quick to speak and slow to listen. That's not the kingdom. You will only receive the fullness of this vision and understanding if you learn the power of listening. Two, if you learn that there are systems and structures, meaning if you just think racism or divisions in the world or whatever you want to call them, if you just think they're all because of personal choices that some person makes, meaning the biggest thing is as long as I am not, that doesn't, that, that's all that matters. We've privatized this issue, and we've closed our eyes to rulers and authorities and principalities of this darkness age. We do not recognize what Ephesians is saying, that Paul is not talking about personal division. He's talking about systems and structures that are set up to demonize people, to marginalize people, to make the rich richer and the poor poorer. And when we have a small vision of things and it's all about my personal experience, then we can close a blind eye to church systems and structures, to nation systems and structures. And so it's important for us to get past, am I personally this? Right? So I've seen a lot of people from my community, when all this stuff comes out, their biggest thing is to go to their one black friend and go, we good, right? Right? <laughs> I'm not racist, good, right? I don't care about all this stuff happening, but we're, but we're good because they want personal justification rather than true, authentic reconciliation. And the reality of what reconciliation takes that Paul's talking about is not me being right. It's about a community walking in unity. 
It's not about you all knowing that I'm not racist. It's about the injustices of a community that's separated, and it means I can't just be me being, I'm cool with you guys, right? No, I'm cool, right? No, it's got to be about no. We want the kingdom of God to take root into a place, meaning it may not be I personally have the struggle, but it's still affecting my brothers and sisters, which calls me into a different place of listening and seeing rather than talking and telling people what the true story is according to our perspective. And we have to understand that this kind of life and death This kind of life can only come through death, right? And what Paul's saying is this kind of spiritual work only takes place, right, when we walk in this spirit place that is a dying to our flesh, talking, building narrative, closing our eyes, and opening our ears and listening and being humble, being patient. And here's the thing that that you've helped me with is believing that just because someone's at this place right now doesn't mean God's not gracious enough to bring them to this place. And just because you're closer, even though you you think you're farther than you might be, right? Just because you're closer doesn't mean it's not our responsibility as the people of God to continue to bear with. Mm. And even in my frustration and in, in my pain and in attacks that have come against me or you or anybody, this reality of continuing to lift up our eyes, God opened my eyes, God opened my ears, and he can do it, right? And if it doesn't happen, if he doesn't do it, you could scream louder and they still won't listen, right? Right? You could try to make them see and they still won't see. So you're beaten, you're in your flesh, you're trying to do something that only the spirit can do. So that kind of spirit work is, is, is important, and I'll, I'll say this, uh-huh. is not natural to me, but I've learned it through his spirit uh-huh. and been given, and, and I've learned it through watching others in my community yeah. who's patiently walked in that way. The power of this is that Paul doesn't end with us just going, you do this by yourself, right. by your spirit, but he also gives them in verse 4 and 5 and 6 a recap of this vision that is extremely powerful. We go to four, five, and six, and, and he, he tells them, he brings this whole thing home, right? Like, we're giving these, these, these practical things that, that have shaped and molded us and how we've lived and how we walked these things out. But here's the thing that Paul is, is talking to them, and he, and he says, here's, he said, here's the why. Here's the why. That there is one body, yes. one spirit, yes. Just as we are called to this one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And he points them to this oneness, right? He points them to the reality that, listen, there are all these different ways and distinct directions that all come back to this one thing. And he's... All these ways of affecting who God is and his own person and saying you as being the body of God is brought into it. And it's this oneness and it makes really, really clear the one that is doing the work is God. 
not me. The one that's doing all the work is God. And, and that's the thing. He starts off. Here's this oneness. Everything is united inside of him and becomes one because he's doing all the work. And you get these glimpses that remind you that you're not trusting in him doing all the work by you feeling burnt out and ready to check out and stuff. And he says, man, it's me. All of it, and he shows all these distinct ways, but it was all the same, same God, the same one spirit. Sin separates, but God is all about oneness. He's all about bringing everything that was separated in sin back together, and he will do it. We're not going to do it in our flesh. He will do it, and not only does he say, I'm all about oneness, And not only does he say it's one body, one spirit, one hope, one calling, one Lord, one faith, one Father. He says, I'm over all of it. What does he say? I'm over all of it. He's declaring his sovereign rule over his kingdom. I don't think often we understand how sovereign God actually is. Meaning, he's not just making things happen right? It's not just he's making things happen. He has all of the powers of hell and sin and all of our broken choices and all of those things in which we're doing opposite of what his design plan and calling is. He has all those things that are trying to stop and come against it and and do their own thing and accomplish their own plans. And then it's not just that he goes, well, I did that, I did that. No, he says, I don't do any, I, I don't sin and I don't make people sin. So in the midst of that, while everything is coming against it, he takes everything that's coming against his plan and he turns it and makes it work for his plan because he's sovereign. He's going to make this oneness thing happen and he's going to do it through us either submitting to him, which I want to submit to his plan, through submission or if you think you're coming against it, he'll still use you to accomplish it. So even if you're trying to do your own thing, he'll use you in your combat of his will to accomplish his will. He is over this thing. He's saying, I got it. I got this. I'm over it. I'm the Lord over this oneness piece. He's good. And it's like there's no way around me in this, right? I'm going to accomplish what I want to accomplish no matter what. No matter what goes down, you can't escape this. I'm in control, and I'm going to keep demonstrating that. And then he takes you And he sends you out to communicate the message. He sends you out to display what it is. And as he sends you out, he does it through you. Uh Right? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sovereign over it. I'm in control of everything. I'm going to send you out. And as I send you out, I'm working through you. Right? That's what makes it happen, and that's where, as you go and you carry this gospel, the boldness inside of you is not because you're speaking words, but who's speaking through you. It's not because you're displaying your vision, but whose vision you're displaying. It's not because you're talking about your kingdom, but whose kingdom you're talking about. And he sends you out, and the reason why it's powerful is because who is sending you out on mission and doing it? Look at this. Not only is he the Lord over it, and not only is he working through it, but it says he's in it. This is the part you have to get. He's making a 
people, this is tabernacle language. When God creates something, he doesn't just create it to stay over it and work through it. He creates it because he wants to live in it. You got to get this. When God created the earth, on the seventh day he rested and he came and walked with them and dwelt in it and he wanted to be with them. He's not this father who's just outside of the home providing for the home so the home can function by itself. No, he's creating the home he wants to live in. That's the part you have to get. He goes, you want to know where I'm going to live? Amongst my family. Oh, how beautiful it is where brothers dwell together in unity. How beautiful and and precious it is where brothers dwell together in unity. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. This is the home he's creating where he can be and dwell with his people. I'm going to tell you, this is where the presence of God is, is, is experienced. In this kind of temple. In a place where all peoples, all nations, all types, men, women, old, young, rich, poor, all kinds of people who shouldn't be in the same family, but we have the same Father who dwells with us. And where there's that kind of love and that kind of rule and reign, he goes, I'm going to come be, I'm going to come dwell, I'm going to come amongst, listen, We all want the presence of God. We want his spirit to come be with us. Then we've got to live into that kind of place in which he's going to come and dwell and be amongst. We've got to live into and walk worthy. Walk worthy of a manner that goes, your vision, Father, is my vision. Your prayer for unity is my prayer for unity. Because I want to be with you forever. Forever, and it's... That, that Paul sees this thing that's so, so big and so beautiful and so, like, you need to live into this. And you need to walk worthy of it. And he, and he talks to them about it. Now, as we, we go into communion right now, if you'll stand with me, I'm going to lead us in communion. As we go into communion right now, I, I want you to know, like, Paul isn't on some crazy trip Visioning something all by himself. I love you read the Bible and you, you see that God confirms things through other people. And we talk about all this thing and the work that God is doing. And then we go in and he says, man, he's building his own temple to live inside of and, and, and to dwell inside of it. And I start to think about John, right? And he gets this vision. He gets this vision. And I, I just have to read it and, and let that lead us in the communion. Revelations 21, verses 1 to 3. And it reads like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, 
The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God saints. I want us to understand and know that God is building his temple and drawing us together. So today as we get ready for communion, this is what I want to ask you to do. I want you to pray. I want you to go to that, that throne knowing the call of the God that has called you to be a part of his family called you to be the very temple that he's living in woven and built together with his body and let that lead you into communion listen the bread represents his body given for you the blood represented by the juice flows for you that you would be his temple that you would be his body together with the saints of God man the table is open Let's commune together, let's pray together, and let's worship this great king that gave this great call together. The tables are open, let's go. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. 